Welcome to the Plastic Pleasing Store Podcast. We are your hosts, Trey the Explainer. And me, Miles Grab. A podcast about the natural world. Things that people claim are part of the natural world. And things that used to be. Trey and I have been talking about doing this for a while now, um, because I think we met on Twitter, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll just tell a little about um, what I do. My name's Miles Greb. Uh, I am a comic book writer and a SciComm guy. I helped organize the March for Science a couple years ago, and I create a couple like pro science comic books. Um, probably best known for After the Gold Rush, which is a return to optimistic science fiction and follows the last scientist as she returns to Earth to find it a state of wilderness. Really inspired by like Cosmos and Star Trek, this kind of view that science can help us understand the world better and make the world a better place if we're devoted to it. And then um, Clovis, which is my more paleontology anthropology comic, which is set in North America about 14, 12,000 years ago and follows some of the first people there, the Clovis, that I, I mostly did because I wanted to kind of give those people more focus and deal with their story more because I think they're important to humanity. But also because there's lots of cool megafauna in North America that I wanted to see drawn. <laughs> yeah, so that that's kind of what I, I do. And um, Trey here, you may know from his awesome YouTube show. I'll let him talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I'm a I'm a YouTuber. I, I I used to talk. My main focus was on dinosaurs and cryptids. I've since branched out to like history and anthropology and stuff. Essentially, if it's science, I'll, I'll probably talk about it on my channel. Uh, just like educational stuff. All kinds of things. I have trouble describing what my channel is yeah, about. It's basically um, <laughs> weird old stuff that isn't around anymore that we wish we knew more about. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think we and both that... kind of have this like love for things like that we just know the surface of because I think, you know, we're both, I believe, like methodological naturalists. You know, we mm. believe in like evidence and things that we can see, but we also like like the things that like your imagination really can bounce off of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think you know, like cryptids and stuff. I don't think, I don't believe in any particular of them are likely to be true, but I love the ideas of these monsters and stories. And um, like I said on Twitter the other day, you know, I think that a lot of our love of like Bigfoot, for example, comes from like a grief that we have kind of like killed the wilderness. And like, we can see the trees when we're driving down the road, like especially mm -hmm. me in the Northwest, you know, I can see the dark line of the forest, but I know that if I parked my car and walked in there, I wouldn't find anything that I don't already know is there. Right. And I think that there's a sadness in that. Yeah. And so I think some people deal with that sadness by expanding on their belief in monsters. You know, mm. um, that's probably pop psychology and not accurate, but that, that's um, <laughs> what I uh, romantically I, I, believe. I agree. I agree with that. I think it's yeah. like I, I did a video on like DNA evidence and stuff and cryptids and that the fact that like, DNA has sort of robbed the world of like cryptids where you, you can essentially just identify them now. If there's not really DNA evidence, it, it's pretty, pretty certain that it's not real. Um, it's sad. It's kind of sad that like the world's shrinking. It's gotten so small that there's very few places for things to hide anymore. Yeah. One uh, thing that really dissuaded me from my kind of more magical worldview that like I grew up with when I was younger was I forget the name of it, but they scanned all of Loch Ness in the late 80s oh, or the 90s yeah and and i was like we're gonna find it guys it's because that, that's my favorite monster you know yeah. the loch ness monster it's it's so like romantic and cool and then there's just nothing and yeah. i really i i had to accept that you know i and and then like now we have the but but maybe it's hiding in a cave right maybe 
There's like maybe, five of them. Yeah, but <laughs> but, only, but then we have eDNA, right? This environmental DNA database where you can kind of like look at like a whole web of the ecosystem, and right. there's just there's nothing down there. Yeah, um, you oh. know, it, and that that kind of evidence, the eDNA evidence, is just so compelling. It's what are you going to do? Right. But um, the, the the history of these these creatures um, and how people talk about them is still interesting, even if the animals are not real, because it's it's just about the animals that are real, us, and how we how we view our surroundings, how we talk about them, how they inspire us, and those stories are still interesting, even if um, there's nothing creeping and crawling out there. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. And I mean, there's still stuff to be discovered. I mean, right, the megamouth shark wasn't known until like 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, that was the seventies, right? I don't know how long the seventies was. Seventy, seventy. I think I calculated it was like the same. I think it was seventy six. Because the nineties was ten years ago, so I think I guess if that's like twenty or thirty years ago. Yeah. No, no. There's still stuff out. It's definitely in the ocean. Like I don't know. Definitely not megalodon. Everybody goes yeah. for megalodon right yeah. away. Yeah. If, but... if you're wondering our take on megalodon, it's a no. <laughs> it's a strong anti-megalodon stance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, other things like we'll, we'll put I don't that in the tags of the show. Anti-megalodon podcast. <laughs> uh, other short, like other species. Like there's definitely tons and tons of fish species yet to be yeah. identified. So don't I, lose hope. <laughs> I came up with the name of the podcast mostly because you know the famous Loch Ness monster photo, right? The Surgeon's General photo taken by a non-surgeon um <laughs> gynecologist yeah it was a photo fo- is a photo of a plastic and wooden plesiosaur you know and that plastic and wooden plesiosaur kind of inspired the world and although the monster that it's supposed to you know represent isn't real that plastic and wooden plesiosaur sunk into the lock mm. so it is still out there so the oh, Loch Ness monster yeah it is they never, never recovered it. this wow. they never recovered it and that plastic ain't going away <laughs> So it's still out there. The Loch Ness monster that inspired everyone lives to this day, and it is still in the lock. So there, there's still a little bit of wonder out there, even if we have to make it up ourselves. That's amazing. I like that. Wow, I, I, that's amazing. That's great. I like that. Poetry, baby. Again, it's like poetry. It's sort of if they rhyme. Mm-hmm. Every stanza kind of rhymes with the last one. Hopefully it'll work. <laughs> yeah, so... um. So what we're going to do on the show normally, we're going to talk about a couple of little anthropology, archaeology, monster kind of sciencey stories, you know, um, so some stuff that interested us. And then we'll probably talk about some pop culture, monster archaeology thing. And then each episode, we're going to watch a Monster Quest. Um, if, so if people don't know about Monster Quest, um, is on History Channel, one of the most thought provoking evidence based channels there is. <laughs> Uh, used to do this show where they would have a bunch of people go look for a monster, and then every week they wouldn't find it. Well, yeah. yeah. I think there was one where it was on, like, giant squids or something, where they found like, sure. new video. But that's the one exception yeah. out of, I don't know, how long was it um, on? But we kept tuning into it, Ugh. so we really can't clown on them too hard. Yes. <laughs> so, um, let's see. So, first thing I wanted to talk about this time was... Um, in in Peru, which is in South America, um, mm-hmm. we often think about like in archaeological time, you know, the Inca and their really awesome civilization that we had there. Mostly because for us in the West, when the, the Spanish came over, that's who they encountered. But there was a lot of different civilizations up and down the coast of Peru well before this. Mm-hmm. And um, we recently discovered a temple in this region from the um, 
try to pronounce this right, the Kupasnika people. And and I, I'm, I'm that's my best. I'm awful. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't I, complain. I, yeah, I'm I believe. I believe it's Kupasnika, but I could be wrong. Apologies for that. But the important part is, um, this farmer was excavating um, somewhat clumsily to build his new farmland, and he uncovered this temple. And on this temple, there is a 3,200-year-old giant spider painted on the side of it that was holding a knife in one of its hands. <laughs> yeah, which is a pretty awesome god. Yeah. That's indeed what it is. Um, we can't see all eight of its arms, so he may have had multiple knives. So he could have been a dual-wielding spider god, but this is not known to us. Um so like this is a really awesome fight. I just I just love yeah. that you know like monsters and gods always have this kind of like powerful presence drawn through societies that have never met each other all over the world, right? We're just really good at making up monsters. Yeah. Um so uh, the the experts on this theorize that this spider god was some kind of um ceremonial rain or water god because this this group of people was um the, a lot of their agriculture and everything comes from the ocean and fishing. And there's, there would have been a river here in the past, but um, we don't really know for sure. Scientists like to say ceremonial when they find things, they don't yeah. know what they are. Right. Ceremonial ritual. Yeah. C- like, like they have pottery from a couple thousand years uh, closer to our time um, mm-hmm. from this similar people. And they have spiders on them and their water, like, um, you know, pottery containers. So they assume that it's like a water God, but, I don't know. Maybe they have a really awesome story about spiders <laughs> bringing down rain. Maybe they yeah. just maybe they call themselves the Spider Boys because they were like a gang. You know? <laughs> yeah. First of all, don't say I went as Spider Man. I didn't go as Spider Man. I was Man Spider. Right. Totally different. We don't really know, right? Like, I mean, like the first image we have of um, the Jesus character is uh, like graffiti of somebody making fun of the uh, donkey kid. headed one right yeah, ma- yeah making kid- calling him a donkey basically <laughs> it's graffiti right so like yeah. I-, I think sometimes um what anthropologists assume everything is very kind of like sincere and has like an important meaning behind and- it and sacred but sometimes we do stupid stuff yeah i mean like if if um anthropologists in the future saw what we do like would the would they understand what dick butt meant like there, there's a really good um book about this what is it called it's like a satirical book it's like archaeology of a motel or something mm-hmm. where like they had archaeologists dig up like a, a motel like archaeo future archaeologists like thousands of years in the future oh that's um, fantastic and in the book they're like they've got like a toilet seat and said it was like a ceremonial crest or something yeah, yeah. and it was like I, it's essentially like them going through a motel and, and going through all these weird because yeah, the toilet seat is like the yoke that you put on an ox so a right. leader would wear it around his neck to symbolize that he was carrying the burden for his people stop this is making too much sense <laughs> See, it's, what I'm saying. Like, it's so easy to build these connections you know like um, but I just thought this was a fantastic story. Unfortunately, a lot of the um, actual image of this um, spider knife wielding god um, was destroyed by the farmer. Um, oh dang! Yeah, so we don't exactly know like how much of this he knew he was destroying or not. You know, and if he had, he didn't necessarily have permission to be excavating this particular area. Um, I mean, I'm sure he's just wanting to make his farm 
to make yeah. money. So I'm not trying to diss the guy, but it's really unfortunate because there's so much stuff lost in our past and you really need to be careful when you're in these kind of like ancestral areas digging around. Right. You, and you can really destroy stuff. Yeah. That's the thing is uh, we, we talked about this. It's like that. Uh, was it Monsters, Inc.? <laughs> Yeah. Whenever you find something, leave it. Yeah. And, and contact somebody. Don't don't bury it or anything. Just yeah, because archaeology and paleontology, anthropology, a lot of it's about being careful. You yeah. know, it's it's not Indiana Jones. The Nazis are not going to be out on your tail. You can't just grab stuff out of places and then destroy them afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> And so you had a story that you wanted to talk about? I did. I did. Well, you, you brought this up to me. It's uh, yeah. the story of these, wh- who are who exactly are these people, these b- Bigfoot researchers who found, reportedly found a Bigfoot thumb bone. And they have a video of themselves on a, on a website. And they're like, we got a thumb bone right here. Where did they uh, find it? In Florida, in like a yeah. creek or something. A swamp um, squatch? Swan, maybe yeah, maybe it's a uh, what is that one? Uh, the skunk ape. Yeah, the skunk the ape. Skunk that's ape. Right, yeah. And they're like, "Yep, this is best evidence of Bigfoot." And um, they went on a, a sort of tangent about like the government covering up Bigfoot. Oh yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> and yeah, as far as I can tell, it looks like um, I, I I'm not the biggest bone expert, but it looks like a like a finger bone, like a phalange of maybe like a bear or um maybe even like a person uh, yeah my first thought was yeah cool bear bone yeah it's so it, it looks it, like finger bones in a lot of animals look very very similar sure um so it's it's hard to like identify it directly but the odds of it being like a bigfoot unidentified creature in florida of all places uh it's pretty slim i'd say yeah especially uh, i mean like so where did they find it were they digging or was it at the surface I did they did not go into that? I think they. I can look. I can pull it up. I, I don't know. In the video, they just kind of were like, "We found it in in the creek." So I'm assuming it might have washed out on like the shore of oh, somewhere. Um, yeah, that, that's a very important part. If you do find something, you know the area you found it in tells an important part of its story. Right. You so, can you, you can know. use that to date the age of it and, and stuff, and find more bones, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so like when you just remove all that context from it. It, it devalues what you found. Right. So that's, ex- that's exactly it. When you find, uh, so native American bones are really common, uh, in the United States, especially in, uh, the East coast. Um, there's a lot of just burials all over the place. And whenever you do like a highway extension or like a building project, you have to hire archeologists to excavate and make sure that there's no important ceremonial bones or native American bones, anything like that. It's really important. And, Odds are a lot of people are going to find it on their property, um, yeah. just like just happenstance. Um, best thing to do is just probably leave it where it is and and call your your local government people. I know that sounds suspicious, like it's like agents or anything. No, it's just archaeologists. Yeah. Who... So the black helicopters will come down to make sure that <laughs> they'll go. Whoa, whoa, whoa! There's Bigfoot family buried here. <laughs> uh, I always thought yeah. that was an interesting apologetic from um, Bigfoot true believers that think that the reason why we don't have any remains is that um, 
they, they hide bury, themselves. They, they bury something. them, but wouldn't that make it so that they fossilize more? And it <laughs> right. It's another problem. Yeah, because scavengers wouldn't find them then, so we'd have more intact skeletons. Right. Like, yeah. It, it's a. It's like a. I think it's a more of a dodging the 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 question kind of thing where it's like, oh, they they just hide them. They're really good at hiding. Yeah. They use like evidence of um like bears going to like holes and stuff when they feel sick. Okay, and dying so in like holes. So we'll but, like, find Bigfoot holes then. Right. It's 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 like a um moving the goalposts. That's what it's yeah, like. Because you're basically saying that this there are evidences of things we do know happening. Therefore, that there's there's a explanation for not having evidence. It's like okay, right. but if this kind of phenomena creates you know these impressions, we should have those impressions at least to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. With the with this finger bone that was discovered. Um, I'm hoping that these guys, if they really are feeling like it's Bigfoot bone, uh, they could test the DNA and uh, we could use that. That would oh, be, be fantastic. Good. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's always like a, D- a Bigfoot DNA story coming out. Yeah, always. And you never hear, you never hear the end of it. You never hear like the, oh yeah, well, it was just a mistake. You don't really yeah. hear that. <laughs> the only one that I remember like explicitly hearing the end of was when the people found this suit and it was like oh, yeah. dead animals. I remember that the the pig. It was like a a monkey suit with like a pig stuffed in it. Yeah, because I think the ending of that was like more incredible than the beginning. So that's why yeah, it was like that these guys were. Like, I don't know. We got arrested or something like that. I don't uh, know. Have to look up that story. It was a weird story. <laughs> Foolish behavior is what that is. <laughs> so we did see a movie this week that featured a giant ape. Oh yes, yes, we yeah. did. And he fought some kind of possible lizard creature. This is Rampage with uh Yeah, rock. we saw the Rampage with the Rock. Rampage um, with the Rock. We didn't like it. <laughs> end of, end of review. No, but uh Godzilla vs. King Kong came out, <laughs> which is um one of one of the first big movies um towards the tail end of the pandemic here. We're not out of the woods yet on that stuff, so mm. please wear your mask. But you know, it's it, we're working on getting towards the end. And so Godzilla vs. King Kong came out. I know a lot of people are just wanting to see a big stupid movie. And we sure got a big stupid movie, so um, I really liked it actually. <laughs> but, oh, that's a, so the, here's the thing: is I, re- I I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as a lot of other people on Twitter and like I my see. friends seem to have liked it. So, are you a Godzilla King Kong fan? Yeah, yeah, I liked. Um, so I watched the like the entire more recent franchise leading up to this movie because mm-hmm. um, I saw so I saw King of the Monsters in movie theaters. A couple of years back and then i i saw king kong skull island for the first time like probably like two months ago and then i saw the gareth edwards godzilla movie yeah um a few a few months ago as well um and they're pretty good i, I enjoyed it okay i think king of monsters is probably my favorite favorite one because it's really goofy yeah i like that one the best too plus just mothra and Ghidra in it so yeah i like seeing king better Gidra. on default <laughs> So this movie, aside, I mean, we're not going to talk about this like as a pop culture film review. We're going to talk about like the monsters and science and stuff in the movie. Mm. You know, if if somebody wants to hear like a film criticism, you know, go to Red Letter Media or something. Yeah. Uh, um, but generally, I like the movie because I'm a Godzilla fan. It was fun and stupid, but fun. Um, one of the biggest ideas, though, in this universe that they've kind of grounded everything around is this old idea of Hollow Earth. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mentioned to you the other day that, oh, yeah, there was Hollow Earth and King of Monsters. And you like kind of forgot 
almost. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, there, there was. There was one line from the, the guy with, like, the glasses, like, the comic relief guy. Um, he was like, I was right about the hollow yeah. earth theory. I, that's all I remember from it. Yeah, and then they, they had, like, the um, Atlantis thing down there or something. Oh, oh, my God. I forgot about the Atlantis thing. Yeah, where they had the, the big Sumerian statues and stuff. Yeah, oh, they made yeah. a little bed for Godzilla. He had a little they nuked him. They knew. Okay, I remember. It's all coming back. It's yeah. all coming back to me. <laughs> um, so Hollow Earth was an idea that like has basis in pop. Well, basis in popular scientists of the past. Like one of the first yeah. people to formally propose it was Edmund Haley, who's the Haley's Comet guy, right? Mm. He, he he was trying to work out some flaw he saw in magnetism and so he basically like hey maybe there is all that solves it mm -hmm. and you know people kind of talked about that for a while and didn't give it much credence and then this dude in like like 1818 around there basically like said that there absolutely is a hollow earth and he made this big decree where he's like i declare that the earth is hollow and habitable and i pledge my life to support this and, Whoa. Yeah, he was very vested in it. And he <laughs> he ran a big campaign about it and wrote about it. He was kind of like, I don't know, like the Alex Jones of this thing, right? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's, hollow. Maybe that's hollow not earth. fair to the guy. <laughs> Turn in the freaking earth hollow. <laughs> um, he actually got Congress to vote on an expedition in like the 1820s. To what? That Congress voted it down. But, oh, thank but, goodness. But there, there was a vote. An actual where did they vote. go? Where did they go? So, so just like in the King Kong movie, right, where they go to the pole, and in the poles there's a hole that goes down to the earth, oh, right? God. So this idea in the movie isn't just them being fantastical. This is an actual idea. People believe that the that there were two polar entryways to the hollow earth, um, and that's how you do it. And so that's where the expedition would have gone. Oh so my like, gosh! Yeah. So like these aren't just you know. Random, because it was, like, it was reused in um, Journey to the Center of the Earth with yeah. uh, Jules, Jules Verne. Yeah, which, Jules yeah, Verne. which, and that's like um, 1860s, right? So that's like 40 years later. Yeah. So and I guess idea, that's where we get the idea of like dinosaurs and stuff living in the hollow earth. Yeah. And some of that is because of we're at this kind of like post colonialism point in Britain and the West, right? Where we have kind of like gone into Africa and seen what we could see. And so a lot of Western, you know, white people basically were wanting more adventure more places to go and mm. so this kind of fiction was like oh there's dinosaurs here or there's monsters here because you know we found the silverbacks and that was kind of like the last large creature that they were looking for and found so mm. i think a lot of that kind of like there are dinosaurs there comes from that stuff yeah but, the but idea was like that if there's um the dinosaurs got like trapped under there or something along those lines i'll have to reread it yeah um <laughs> And then, you know, you have in the 1920s, Edgar Rice Burroughs at the Earth's core, when they go to their core and you have the whole, like, humans are controlled by um, pterodactyls that have psychic powers and stuff. Which, whoa, 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 that was a jump right there. Yeah, th these are the uh, Pellucidar novels. And I, I loved in the King Kong movie, when we go to the center of the Earth, which is through Portal and Antarctica, mm -hmm. um, you do see a bunch of pterosaur looking things flying around. Yeah, that is true. You see, um, yeah. kind of like the pterosaurs that were in uh, uh, Skull Island. Yeah, so I... Um, was that a reference to the book? Uh, to, to the I, novel? I, so I thought it was a little Pellucidar thing, but I don't know if it was. But they went to Hollow Earth and there was a bunch of pterosaurs. So I was like, hey, I know okay. that. Hey, that's awesome. All right. 
So the whole center of the earth idea like has this long history of being kind of scientific in the beginning as a you know a hypothesis to solve a different problem. And then it becomes like something people are really invested in and then it becomes science fiction. And now yeah. it's basically, you know, just a kind of irrelevance. Although there is an increase in belief in it. And I believe I believe somebody died trying to prove it right a couple of years ago. Oh God! Yeah. Well, have you seen the um, like? I know that there it might be like associated with like. Um, you ever hear of Mel's Hole? Not um, off the top of my head, no. Actually, it's uh. You ever listen to Coast to Coast? It's like this yeah, yeah. conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Um, back in like the '90s, they had like this guy call in, and his name was Mel, and he like reported. Um, I think he was in Oregon or or Washington or something like that. And he was like, I got this hole in my backyard and it's, and it's really deep or not backyard. Maybe it was a little further, but it was like a, a portal to like the bottom of the earth or the okay. center of the earth. And he died and he like, he reported like people like dumping cows and stuff in it. It was really crazy. And then like, so he was saying that he, he called in like three times and each time he was like, the government's trying to take my hole. Like, <laughs> it's, it's really kind of weird. <laughs> and, and, and at one point he talked like about like the, this like creepy, bloody, fetus seal climbing out of the hole and like speaking to them telepathically um, i don't like this guy he has a weird imagination <laughs> mel mel's hole's great isn't it yeah. and, and mel's uh i love the name mel's hole and yeah and the, the host of coast to coast kept on trying to get him to send pictures of it and stuff sure. and like his excuses for why he couldn't get a picture kept on getting crazier and crazier um like at one point he said that um he re- was able to receive like a coin and the coin had a it was a dime or something and it had like an it had uh had a president on it. i don't know which one and it had like the year 1945 and he was saying that it was like an alternate history coin um wow yeah it, it was it's fun <laughs> yeah check check out mel's um, hole i like the coast to coast <laughs> episode when the guy says that he's flying in area 51 on like a cheap plane that he has and he's like calling in from he's like oh they're gonna shoot me down and I'm <laughs> <making food." laughs> what i've never I, I saw the one where he called like a guy calls in and says that he's like he's like we need to get away from the high population areas you need and he gets cut off goes Shh, and he gets cut off he's yeah. like crying <laughs> oh no yeah i like the conspiracy stuff that was, so a, that was a digression <laughs> oh yeah for sure we could probably talk about that for 40 minutes <laughs> but um there was a lot of so other than just the hollow earth stuff you know there was a bunch of kind of like i don't know would you call it speculative biology even just the weird monsters yeah. that were down there there was, was a like, lot of yeah so there's the floating snake things there was like, yeah, they look like, um, like sort of, uh, what's it called? They look like gliding snakes. There's kind of snakes that look like that, where like they can stretch out their ribs and flatten out and they can glide a little bit. How could um, they even fly like that? They were, it's really, uh, they're using the, the inverted gravity of the hollow I guess, Earth. I suppose. <laughs> I mean. They're really, they're really, really not, they're really uh, thin. Their bones are really hollow. Uh, which means say, Kong like, should have just punched him and they should have shattered into a thousand pieces. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, everything, because like Ghidorah flies, he has wings. Mothra flies, he has wings, right? Yeah. Godzilla's atomic monster spits out atomic breath. Okay, I buy it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Okay. At that point, I have to criticize literally everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there were like these. Um, so when I saw the, the trailer, I thought that was going to be uh, Quetzalcoatl. Like oh, the, yeah, yeah. Because I know on the map, they show like a bunch of monsters, and Quetzalcoatl is uh, one of them. Um, but I guess not. I guess uh, yeah, we don't they know. Didn't we have, haven't seen them yet. They didn't have too many of their monsters. Like, I know you really wanted to see Behemoth. 
Uh, I was wanting to see Behemoth, and I wanted to see Tywin. Uh, uh, he's not a monster. <laughs> Behemoth is the um, the like, mammoth-looking one. Mammoth-looking mammoth. one, yeah. That's like, like I said, that uh, Thomas Jefferson kind of thought a mammoth might look like, and they mm. kind of took this like ignorant drawing he made and turned it into a monster. Which one was the Tywin one? Uh, well, Tywin Lannister was the the bio terrorist guy from the last movie. Oh, okay. King Ghidorah's skull. And that, oh, yeah. So, that. Well, King Ghidorah's. No, King Ghidorah's skull came in. Sorry, he did come in. Tywin didn't come in. We don't know oh, what yeah. happened to him. Yeah, so they have like um, Ghidorah's skull, which is very clean, by the way. They did a good job they, of cleaning it. They, they got a good taxidermist for that thing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they turned it into a genetic computer. Yeah. Which, um, you know, they have genetic memory in the movie, too. They mentioned before this, even, which is very Dune. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, that was an, another wild concept, a whole nother pseudo science concept that just like gets a little bit of reference in the movie. There's just a whole bunch of like random. Um, you they call it this weird conspiracy kind of stuff. Like it's where it's like, um, I call it like gobbledygook. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, some some things in the film that were pretty pseudo scientific was the guy made an anti-GMO comment, which uh, oh really, yeah, really bugged me. That I was the apple. He was yeah. I mean, he did take a bite of the apple afterwards, so I thought it was kind of like a joke. But then what he came started... from that apple? What he brought the Nothing. apple in and didn't want the guy to bite the apple. See, I thought there was gonna be like a flash drive hidden in the apple or something. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. But, anyways, but um, but then later he's talking about how fluoride in the water makes us docile. Oh, uh, I threw up at that. I yeah. wanted. To, I, I got ira- Well, I got irrationally angry because the girl. What is her name? The Stranger Things girl. Yeah. Didn't like dispute. Didn't like say like, like she was like, yeah, I believe that too. That's the thing that it was like see, what. <laughs> so one of the reasons I made my comic after the Gold Rush was like skeptics in uh, media are almost always proven wrong, and like true believers are almost always right. Right. You know? And they did the same thing in this movie where the guy was believes all these like outlandish and dangerous in real world circumstance conspiracy theories he you was know, washing could, himself with uh bleach, bleach yeah so you you're like say, that that's gonna like not be good the movie ha- it textually kind of makes him out to be silly but but when it comes to all the plot relevant things like he was right. godzilla and all the kaiju stuff he's right you know so like you can't really have it both ways because well, and the fact that they had um Oh, I forgot her name. The girl, Bobby, <laughs> she, um, Bobby Brown, whatever yeah. her name is. Yeah. Um, the fact that she also believed in it sort of justified his belief. In a yeah, because she didn't. I mean, like he's saying the whole Nazis fluoride thing, and like fluoride it keeps your teeth strong. People, you need fluoride yeah. in, in your water. You know, like Greenpeace and different groups have been against fluoride in the past. So there's like real anti-science groups that do this so like this has real world problems it'd be like if he said anti-vaccine thing in the movie right know? and and she and they kind of laughed about it and you're like whoa, yeah. whoa hey whoa <laughs> so like especially when we, we just had a bunch of people die because of science denial or lack of commitment to science really don't need to be making anti-science jokes in your monster movie you know yeah like it's yeah. fine if it's fine if it's like a stupid anti-science thing and the sims like hollow earth, hollow earth or it's easy to be sci-fi, but like fluoride has real world consequences. So. Yeah. There's like, a, I feel like there's a gradient of conspiracy theories yeah. that are like where they're harmless to like pretty harmful. There's like the, the have you heard of the, the no, no real forests uh, conspiracy where like mountains are, or giant tree stumps and stuff. I wish I believed in that. It sounds awesome. Devil's tower is like a, a giant Oak tree. That's some, that, 
I watched the full video. There's a YouTube video where the person breaks it down, and they never talk about who cut down the tree. I just so, imagine it's Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan, <laughs> the um, kaiju called Paul Bunyan. I just imagine a headline: of, "Geologists hate this man." <laughs> also, I, I I protest to Paul Bunyan being a kaiju because he's not a monster. He's not a, okay. Okay. Yeah. What about uh, the bull? Blue yeah, bull. Yeah, Babe. Babe the Babe. Blue Ox. See, ba- ba- I don't know. You got to be a monster. You got to have some weird teeth or some weird stuff going on. He's blue. He's blue. That's not okay, normal. Bl- blue's weird. Got it. Sold. <laughs> you win. See, that's 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 a kaiju. If if Paul Bunyan was green, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like Jolly Green Giant's a kaiju, right? Okay. Okay. He's he's half man, half green bean. That's that would be great. They pull like a, a Space Jam 2 and just bring in all these famous giant pop culture icons into the, the MonsterVerse I'm so in the next I movie. I watched that trailer. Oh, you didn't watch this? Oh, yeah. Better. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it looks like a Ready Player One Part 2. Is Bill Murray in it? No. Or I don't think so. And I don't care. Newman? Is Newman in it? Newman? Tell the world my story. Hello, Newman. Hello, Newman. Hello, Newman. Hello, Newman. Hello, Newman. See, these are the people I want to see. <laughs> um. So yeah. So you you watched the movie on your laptop? You said. Yeah. That no. Yeah. That's a, it's, I watched the movie. My setup was probably not the best. Maybe that's why I'm not like I was. I liked it. I just wasn't like electrified by it. And I think that's probably because I watched it on my laptop yeah. at like 3 a.m. on a on a on like a work night. Yeah, John Lynch would uh, not John Lynch. Sorry. <laughs> on your da- fucking David phone. Lynch. Yeah, David Lynch <laughs> would come at your ass. John Lynch is the GM of my football team. Different person. Now, if you're playing the movie on a telephone. You will never in a trillion years experience the film. You'll think you have experienced it, but you'll be cheated. It's such a sadness that you think you've seen a film on your fucking telephone. Get real. Um, yeah, I, so we went to the theater because they had like super special COVID theater safety rules set up at our like local one. So like we're risk it. We sat in the back. There wasn't that many people there, but I definitely wanted to watch in the theater because they got the big speakers and I don't know. It, it was really fun to watch. Maybe I wouldn't have liked it if I'd seen like 15 movies this year. I wouldn't have liked it as much, but I just like that they threw so many random sci-fi concepts into the movie. It was like slapping you. It was just like, oh, you're like, like before you even recover, there was a new concept thrown yeah, at you. Yeah, because I mean, like the whole like Ghidorah, Mechagodzilla genetic connection thing is kind of like some Acura Final Fantasy VII that like <laughs> cyberpunk Shintoism stuff from the '90s, and then Hollow <laughs> Earth obviously is like 19th century sci-fi, right? Yeah. And so there's just all these random things just popping up. And then all of a sudden, Godzilla and King Kong are fighting, and I'm just like, let's go. Keep throwing more stuff in Godzilla there. burned a hole through the center of the oh Earth. Oh, my God. Think about that. <laughs> it happened so quickly. I was like, wait, what? King Kong's <laughs> like, I'm going to sit on this throne. I'm the king. And Godzilla just enters his DMs by just shooting fire right through the Earth, man. And he cuts through it, like, very quickly. Like, Godzilla. <laughs> Whoa. Also, oh there's gosh. some kind of, like, 
2001 Space Odyssey black hole kind of thing around the center of the Earth. Right? Oh, I, I thought of that too. I was wondering like if they were implying that like in like a, the Hollow Earth was created by like an extraterrestrial race or oh, advanced race or something. Yeah, because there was like this energy field around it. Right. Right. So it's not just like like the old Hollow Earth theories we were going to watch just a hole with some good boots on. Like you're not making it. Yeah, they went through. They took went in their flying cars, and and it was like, yeah, they went through st- like time and space. It was it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and it looked like it looked like two thousand one, where it was flying. Yeah, by just a bunch of color and abstract stuff. Yeah, but uh, it was it was pretty cool. I, you know, it was interesting to see them have so many different sci fi concepts, and and the fighting was fun. Um, I I kind of wish that the Godzilla versus King Kong fight at the end against Mechagodzilla was longer. Yeah, it's it seemed like it was kind of uh, well. Yeah, I wish it was longer because that was probably like ten minutes or something. Yeah, like well, that. Godzilla fights Mechagodzilla, does okay. Mechagodzilla's like, I have a million weapons, lasers coming out of my knee, and Godzilla's like, well, that's bullshit. And so, <laughs> and so we defibrillate King Kong, which is oh, kind yeah. of funny because the old, the like second or third King Kong movie is all about him getting a heart transplant. So, like, a significant percentage of King Kong movies evolve his heart problems he's got an awful heart you yeah, gotta I guess you problems. could have expect that from uh With from such a giant creature yeah, yeah. um that blood to his head yeah definitely <laughs> and so they they defibrillate king kong oh my god the dialogue there was so bad they did the sci- they did that sci-fi thing when someone's like hey do you think we could reverse the flux capacitor using <laughs> quantum tachyons and someone's like like a balloon filling up with too much hot air They're like yeah do you think that would work and then they did it it's just like it's the it's the it's like what would happen in Galaxy Quest if they were talking about how bad sci-fi writing is. Yeah, but they did it right in the movie, and I laughed in the theater. Well, he, I couldn't help it. What did okay? What did I laugh? That was like just so ridiculous. Um, there was one thing like that where it was like, "What is going?" Oh, where um, what was the thing with the she was she needed to get that the so there was the villain guy who was evil businessman. Yeah, so there there was bad mustachio. And then, um, then there was, and then bad, there was his daughter, bad hot girl who had like three lines. She had three lines, and she, so she got the energy. So they needed, they needed yeah. the new element or whatever that was, yeah. that purple got stuff or the blue un- stuff. Unobtainium. Oh, they needed unobtainium. Yeah, <laughs> they needed just unobtainium now. Yeah. Um, Dude, I she, they she got emailed it. it to her dad. What, what was that about? The, they got the molecular structure of it or something. I don't know. And then they like, literally it real quickly. <laughs> the center of the earth through the 2001 space odyssey black hole through, I assume the mantles there or whatever the earth is made out of. And then run to its computer in like 45 seconds. So if anyone who works at Comcast is watching this, why isn't my internet like that? receptions were really good down there because i mean that's upload speed too that's not download speed that's ridiculous (laughs) my upload speed is nowhere close to this and i live in a metropolitan area oh my gosh yeah yeah. that's a bit ridiculous (laughs) but whatever she got squished like a coke can it's whatever yeah she got crushed um there were giant bat people Oh, it was like the the they look like um, Mitch McConnell. Um, they were like owl creatures. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, they have like they have like raptor faces, right? Because they have the long sloped beaks. And yeah. I think they had three toes, but they were like bat in every other thing. I don't so I don't know what family or clade they're from. Yeah, I think they just throw stuff together. Who knows? Um, like what what's Godzilla? Godzilla has three toes. 
So I guess Godzilla also has gills, which is really interesting. Yeah, um, so he's like a bird, right? Because he's three toes, but then he has gills. He has gills, and then he's also supposedly like, like really ancient, like Permian age, if not earlier. So it's weird. So it's, so any so likely, if Godzilla is an actual biological creature, any similar phenotypes he'd have to modern creatures would just be examples of convergent evolution i assume. yeah yeah because he's just so ancient um and i think like people have looked at his skull like i think his skull was in promotional material or something and it looked a lot like a mammal skull which was really interesting he's yeah just well, a that's a match of stuff that, that's because like. we uh he's the main character <laughs> yeah yeah we gotta <laughs> make him more that's the main character effect on evolution you have to make them look <laughs> more like the species you're telling the story to that's true that's yeah. true I like a King Kong analysis, like where he fits in on the. I guess yeah. he's a big gorilla. Yeah, he's um, he's just a, a silverback, I guess. Well, it's, it's interesting because um, Skull Island is in. I know it moved location, so it's it was south of Hawaii. Apparently, it was south of. It was. It's like near, like it's like Easter Island, where it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I guess, like in that case, that would really mess things up evolutionarily, because I think like. Who might be closest related to like orangutans and stuff like that? I don't know. It's an interesting question, right there. It was. Uh, I thought it was disappointing they decided to kill off all the people that left <laughs> they, on the island. They killed off all the the. I wrote down their name. The the Iwis. This indigenous group of people. I know they're made up, but still, they just get killed off. I just kind of felt like that was a bit. Uh, yeah, that was. It was. It was. I felt like it was. It was lazy and convenient. I think that's yeah, one of the things I was like, "Oh, come on!" Like, like I realized it was they have interesting. The the young actor you know and she did a good she's probably the best actor in the movie quite honestly the deaf I, I liked her part her parts were probably her and king kong were probably the, i think the, the yeah, strongest part they of the movie should have cut out all the other human characters oh yeah really definitely the, need them. just the her podcaster <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> but just um just just the I, I apologize for not knowing her name but the young girl who did the sign language um was that ASL? Do you know? My mom was. I, there, have, I, I have no idea if that was yeah. accurate or not. Yeah, but so she was doing sign language with, with Kong. I thought she was cool. I liked her a lot. And, but yeah. I kind of just, you know, like removing the, I know, again, I know they're not a real indigenous culture, but they, they have a lot of indigenous tropes in them that Westerners would put into an indigenous mm. fictional group, right? So like, I yeah. kind of don't like them just genociding them off camera. Yeah, I they, there was definitely a, um, there's something in anthropology, or at least something that my old professor called it, it was called the Ferngully effect, where you yeah. turn indigenous people into like one with the forest. Yeah, yeah, so like. Connect one, with animals and stuff really well. One of my buddies, Crow Song, we worked on a couple of comics together, you know, he's an indigenous artist and writer, like, we often talk about how a lot of times, like, you know, Americans, when they talk about Native Americans, they basically turn them into elves. Yes, you know, like they act like they have a magical connection with the forest. The same the, thing uh, with cryptozoology. Avatar. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like um, cryptozoology, people are like, oh well, Native Americans had a story about a monster in the woods, so therefore Bigfoot's real. Right. It it removes that they had their own cultures and religions, and uh, I don't know. They they couldn't just make things up themselves. Yeah. First of all, they're humans, <laughs> so pareidolia works on them too. Um, second of all, a lot of the stories have metaphorical meaning. People don't necessarily always believe their cultural stories. Yeah. And then also, like, a lot of those stories, the creatures, like, disappear or reappear and only appear on certain times. They don't treat them like they're a biological entity. Right. That's what you'll see. Um, we'll probably talk about this later when we get into Champ. It's like, I've seen a lot of people use, um, 
like Native American religious beliefs and mythology about like um what is it the water leopard or water yeah. lynx or something and they use it like oh that's evidence of a plesiosaur in the Great Lakes or something well maybe not it could just be just something that like sure, it's like let, the let, let's get into it so basically I, I wanted to call this segment where we talked about pop culture and negging dinosaurs but we don't have to call it that <laughs> um but yeah so you know that's basically our look at King Kong versus Godzilla I thought it was pretty good. I think yeah, I liked thought, it. Yeah, I think we both thought there was some dumb science in it, but then some fun dumb science as well. It was um, very fun. It was a fun movie. Yeah. It was cool. A lot of if you're the kind of person who likes to go deep dives on subjects, you know, look at all the different weird concepts they brought up, and then you know, go down a Wikipedia hole and learn some stuff. And I think it makes the movie more interesting if you do that. So I, I hope I hear oh, my one last thing. Sure. I hope we go back to the, the ecosystem within the hollow earth. Cause we only saw a very small amount of stuff. Yeah. Um, I would, I'd be a buyer for a movie that was like two hours long in there with no human characters, no dialogue. Yeah. That'd be cool. I, I know that like, um, what's the, the Peter Jackson, um, King, King, Kong. King Kong Yeah, where he, there's like a book where, um, there's like, they have a whole mapped out, ecosystem and ecology that's like filled with all these sort of um dinosaurs that survived and evolved after after the extinction and have changed and they and all lost, connected and lost their feathers apparently <laughs> yes it's very convenient that they lost their feathers and <laughs> looked exactly like exactly like how jurassic park depicts them it's yeah. uh what a stroke of luck that was. Jurassic Park is like a blessing and a curse for dinosaurs. It's like the yeah. best dinosaur movie that's ever going to be made. So people just love it, but they want dinosaurs to look just like that. And it's like um, it's like when they made the Zilla in the in uh, the nineteen nineties with the uh, Zilla man. Oh, sorry, Zilla, where they had like the the little they had, they had Godzilla have kids and they were like the size of raptors. Yeah, and they were just ripping off Jurassic Park. Yeah. So, Monster monster Quest. Monster Quest. Monster Quest. Witnesses around the world report seeing monsters. Are they real or imaginary? Science searches for answers. On Monster Quest. Real or imaginary? Science. Uh, (laughs) It's ridiculous. So, you may remember the show from the big purple eye. That would appear. That was their changed general... it to the green eye over time. How could they do that? Purple. That's eye is like obviously that. Back in my day, Monster Quest had a purple eye. <laughs> yeah, it was. Exactly. They changed it from like an ape eye to like a lizard eye. Like well, see, green... the purple eye. It, it could be Bigfoot or it could be a black dog. It, it could be anything. You know, werewolf. Yeah, Another werewolf. Episode. Yeah. So basically, the show is they take mostly american but sometimes international monster stories when the when the budget allows international and then then what the show does is it it picks a couple lucky archaeologists whose name got drawn from a hat and it sends them on a field trip um they get they get some nice camera equipment they get to meet a local kooky guy and they go on a little field trip they meet an elderly person who's like always above 56 years old yeah. And it's like, oh, hello. <laughs> so, so our first episode is Champ, which yes. is basically the Loch Ness Monster of North America, I suppose. Lake Champlain. Yeah. I'm and, say, in Vermont. Yeah. Bernie Sanders yeah. monster. Yeah, that's the looking at, that's all I know about Vermont is Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I'm, I'm once again asking you for a clear photograph. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, they they go through the first the first sightings. Um, they use the phrase that I, I actually wrote down because it's so beautiful. Ooh. According to one version of history, <laughs> what? Yeah, That's amazing. I, I missed that. I was like, well, what a great sentence. Well, I thought so. Here, I wrote this down in my notes. I called it the proto ancient aliens. Yeah, um, definitely. I felt like this was a very. It was very. I, I was surprised how balanced it was. Um, but you could see the seeds of what was to come in the History Channel. You could see that eventually they would get rid of the skeptic interviews and just yeah, focus entirely on the sort of kooky people. Yeah, so like basically you have sightings from a long time ago, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, they always like, use um, something like a, a, a Spanish explorer in yeah. 1611 or something. So, you know, there's sightings, but I mean, what can you make of those as evidence, right? Like if somebody in the 1700s or 1800s is like, oh, I was on this lake and I saw a large creature, you know, we're not saying they didn't see something in the water, but what does it, what does that help us? It doesn't really get us anywhere. Yeah. You know, well, so they like, used um, Samuel de Champlain's like first yeah, sighting. Um, first and sure. if you actually look back, they, they, well, they, then they fixed themselves later on in the episode. I took notes and I was like, I was like, that's wrong. Um, but then they fixed, they corrected themselves. So the champ origin story is that this, um, I think English explorer, maybe French, I'm it's not sure, French. maybe French, yeah. French. I guess that last name is a teller. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's a giveaway. Um, ah, the French. He was exploring the region and he supposedly saw like a, a big snake creature with a, a horse head or something come out of the water. Um, but that's actually like an apocryphal story. If you actually look at his stuff, yeah. he, he talks about like fish. Um, and his odds are he just was describing like, um, it, first of all, off the description is completely different. Um, he described something that's like four feet or five feet long and like as thick as his thigh. And it's probably so, like an alligator gar or something. Or a yeah, alligator gar. Yeah. Long nose like gar, something like that. Sturgeon. So like, yeah, a lot of these. They're misquoted. Person, yeah. Just like the, for the Loch Ness Monster, for example, the stories of like saints seeing it from a long time ago. If you actually look up the sources, they don't quite say what people want them to say. Right. You know? With Loch Ness, there's um, St. Colum- Columbia, Columba, where he see, he, uh, but the thing is, if you look at his, his history is he essentially sees monsters everywhere. Yeah. He well, fought like a giant whale at one point. They're out to get or, him. Yeah, yeah, they're really angry with uh, these monsters. Hate Christians, man. He, he stole something from the MonsterVerse, and they were on his <laughs> He's the alpha. <laughs> so basically, we have a bunch of old possible sightings from the past. Which, yeah, if you look into them, they're not quite as exciting. But that's kind of the premise. There's people mention large aquatic something in the water sometimes. You know, that's mm. kind of like your general premise. Um, and then kind of the main thing that made this explode was this one photograph, just like the Surgeon's General photograph, which mm. they show in this again, even yes. though they know <laughs> it's not real. Fake. And they, they kind of mentioned that, but like, why keep showing it then? Well, the, the editing in this was, was um, really bad because at one point they start talking about plesiosaurs and they throw up an image of a mosasaur skeleton. Yeah. Well, that's um, all the same stuff for some reason and i'm like whoa i was like i was cringing so hard i was like oh uh, they, the editor was like he's got to meet those deadlines here prehistoric seek monster they're downloaded off of wikimedia commons yeah uh, stock so, photo 
So you know a bit about this photograph, right? Yes, the Mansi yeah. Mansi. I'm saying the right photograph. Mm-hmm. Yes, they talk about they talk. There's several things that they do not mention in the episode, which um, are which are so. First of all, is the so. First of all, uh, the lady Mansi. I think she's she's died since then. Um, she had cancer or something like that. That's too bad. Um, but her story changed um, over time. Um, there's there were contradictory details with later retellings that she did. Yeah, because um, that's how human memory works. You know, you don't remember the original time you saw something. You remember yourself remembering it. You know, so right. Yeah. So in this version of events, so then I think in some version she says that she was very um, ambivalent to taking the photo. She was like very emotionally calm hmm. while taking the photo, and then in this they say that she like collapsed to her knees and was like in complete fear and stuff. Um, and there's several other details that change between accounts. So maybe she just exaggerated. That's, that's not exactly like a, a debunking, but it happens with these stories. Sure. I always thought um, it was odd. She took one photo, even though she said it was there for like five minutes. She, she said it was there for like, yeah, five or six minutes. And another detail that it was kind of weird is she um, was either, I've heard conflicting accounts. She was either unwilling to show the location of where the photo was taken or had forgotten where it was taken. Um, I find the forgetting to be odd. Yeah, that she she was like, I have no idea where it was. Like she's like, oh, we were on the the American side of the lake, but I, I don't remember. Like it's because like, that's a problem because we can't estimate the size of how I mean, big I, it was and stuff. I'm a fisherman, and let me tell you, I know the spot of the lake where I've caught every fish that I've caught. Right. You know, so if I if I was hanging out with a Loch Ness monster, I would know where that was. Right. Like, uh, well, yeah, yeah, you would know about this stuff. So it's weird that she didn't take multiple photos. Weird that she didn't record sort of the location. Um, interestingly, she does not. She does not provide the photo negative, like the actual. Yeah, which is they never do. They never do. <laughs> so for and the thing is, is that the the photograph is damaged. There's like scratches and yeah. all kinds of stuff. And I think I'll have to look it up again. But I think she had. She didn't report it straight away. I think it was in like a photo album for several years, which damaged it even further more. Um, do we do we know if the negative exists? We have we don't know if the negative. We, uh, she's uh, never provided a negative, and yeah. then she's of course deceased, so uh, we don't know. Um, it's it's it, I've heard that it, like it's plausible that she lo- just lost it, but but, but con- it's such an important picture. Sure, contextless, like removing that context and looking at the photo itself. Do you find the photo convincing of anything? When you're really young, you find it really convincing because, like, the, how the neck's arched and stuff looks yeah. really, really cool, and it's looking away from you. It's very dramatic. But yeah, when uh, I was nine years old, it was absolutely convincing. Yeah, no, it's yeah. I, I kind of consider it one of like the most convincing cryptid images out there. Period. Sure. But because it um, has the, it has the Im- it has the thing that you want in it. Right? Yeah, it has that swan like elegant moving down neck, and it has the hump. Yeah, exactly. It has that very distinct striking pose that you see in a lot of these uh, these lake monsters. But after seeing it now, like it's it's a it's a very far away photo of a still object, and we don't have several pictures. Yeah. At least with the surgeon's photograph, we have like two photos yeah. of it at least. So um, skeptical inquirer, um, I believe their hypothesis was that it was a log. Which yeah. I find pretty compelling. Pretty sure it's a stick, a log. Mm. You know, I've been on the lake and sometimes that happens. You see logs drifting by. That definitely is a real thing that happens on lakes. You see it all the time. Mm. And I I mean 
I don't think I don't think it's an animal. Um, she doesn't even mention it like moving too much, right? Yeah, so. she doesn't really describe. She just says it floated up and then floated back down. Um, yeah, which is very kind of like I, you feel like you'd see the flippers moving or something like that. Um, I don't know. So, yeah. so assuming that I mean everyone wants to say it's always a plesiosaur or a mosasaur or whatever, but I mean those hypotheses seem less likely to me than it being any other kind of unknown aquatic creature. Right, like a big turtle or something. Yeah, so like um, I mean, I assume there's some specially evolved turtle in there more than I would that there's a 35 million year old creature in the. Yeah. Lake, well, know? even um, the hypothesis they put, sort of put forward in this episode, where they suggest that it's like a whale that was like trapped, like an inland whale. Oh yeah, because there's, um, the, there's the lady in this video that is very committed to there being echolocation in the lake. Yeah, and I look, I, I looked that up, and I couldn't really find much information on what happened with that echolocation information. I found like a Vice article that talked about it. Um, but it just said, like, we haven't really been able to identify what that sound was. It's basically uh, one person gathering this research. So yeah. I, I'm obviously not an expert on the validity of any of this research. But currently, the scientific community is not, you know, responding to it very well. So right. Take, it, take, take if that there were inland, like, like, marine mammals, like, if there was a... Because we there, there are, like, river dolphins and stuff yeah, that do definitely. go up inland. But uh, if there was one... I don't think there's been a case of, like, things trapped in a lake. Um, I know that in Russia, there's like this really, really massive lake that has like seals that were trapped in there from when there was an ocean. Um, I don't think there's any examples of whales living in lakes or living so, inland, like trapped inland populations. One thing I was thinking, lakes are basically inverse islands, right? Mm. Like, right? Because there's like, they're surrounded by land and and they're separated from the ocean. So like... I, wouldn't a similar thing that happens on island evolution happen to lakes to large predators like this? Yeah, they would get they, smaller. They would probably, yeah, there would probably be a, a like. I guess there might be island like dwarfism within That's lakes because like, lakes are basically kind of like reverse islands. Yeah, they, the animals would definitely change and evolve. Like an adult, like a dolphin, or or I guess like I think they put forward the idea that it was like a beluga or something. Yeah. Um, if a beluga got trapped in. A population of belugas got trapped in a lake. You would expect them to be very, very different than yeah, they belugas have, they outside. Have less calories, and then they have less pressure to be larger, mm. right? Because they have less predators of size. So you think that they would shrink over time? I think so. Yeah, that would make sense. I just so, don't know if there would be enough food to sustain a population. Oh no, like there, wouldn't. there wouldn't. There <laughs> wouldn't. Um, but so the same thing with the plesiosaur or mosasaur, whatever a saur that they think that's in here, like. They would they wouldn't be that big anymore, I don't think. Right. If if we're able to find um uh what the pygmy sperm whales, yeah. which are really, really small and incredibly rare, if we're able to find those in like the, the entire massive ocean, we should be able to find some inland whales in some some lake in Vermont. Yeah. Like evidence of them. Except so those things. <laughs> so like has there ever been an E DNA study? It's not mentioned, of course, in this. Um, uh, I don't think so. No, I know there was one done in Loch Ness. Yes. Um, that like eels. they found eels, um, but I don't know if Lake Champlain. Yeah, I mean Lake Champlain does have sturgeon, and sturgeon get quite large. Mm. I mean they're like a really old species that gets gigantic, and they have no bones. They're like weird. Um, 
some if you see a sturgeon surfacing, which they don't do much because they're bottom feeders, it would be quite a strange sight. But mm-hmm. nothing has this elongated gooseneck thing. Yeah, I mean, there's very there's very few things in nature, or very few things that I know that have like the the gooseneck besides like birds yeah. and stuff. And I believe you did a video right on how you you believe that a plesiosaur couldn't even make that neck shape. Yeah, that's the thing. Is so what um, paleontologists have found is that it's uh, plesiosaur necks. Um, they're really flexible at the end, but they're not flexible at the base. Hmm. So they couldn't. So they could probably like curl their head around um, at the end, but they couldn't make the swan neck. Um, yeah, they're just like, bone. Their anatomy wouldn't allow it. Swans have that neck because they peck down and dig into the earth for worms and bugs and stuff. Hmm. You know, but like. A plesiosaur doesn't do that, right? They glide and ambush. Right. They just wouldn't and need that. I've heard people make the argument that, like, oh, they evolved to look like a swan. So, like, at that point, you're just, you might as well just be advocating for a completely unknown animal. Well, yeah, like, well, why does it have to be a plesiosaur? You're just continuing to add complexity because you, right. you need so many steps, and adding another step doesn't make it more likely. It's, it's just more same... likely that that didn't happen. Right. It's like the same problem that Munchelium bimbe and all that suffers, where they were based Mon- on... Munchelium bimbe, if you don't know, of course, is a um, brontosaurus-like creature supposed to exist in the jungle. So. Yeah, and in Africa, where they they resemble something from pop culture at the time, like the reconstructions that have since become outdated. So we know that sauropods really didn't look like that necessarily but... It's a Flintstones because, dinosaur. It's a Flintstones dinosaur, so it's outdated, so it's stuck. Um, and the Loch Ness Monster suffers from this too, where paleontologists used to think plesiosaurs could do the swan neck, but um, they've since found that they can't. So it's sort of trapped in this in this outdated model where we, we know that the real animal doesn't look like that, but that de- our artist depictions at the time look like that. Um, so it's weird. It's, so it's kind of, you see it a lot of times with like living dinosaur yeah, reconstructions. It's, it's a huge tale on these creatures, the fact that like when they they look the way that the people of the time imagined them, which is right. like kind of what I was saying, right? There's like this sense of like grief or longing for the wild, for the unknown. And then people just kind of see the shapes that they want to be out there. Right. You That's know? exactly right. Yeah. Um, so overall, the, the episode was kind of interesting. They had, I, I apologize to the older shaggy gentleman. I don't remember his name. <laughs> oh, the, but, the hunter, the monster yeah, hunter. He, he was apparently very invested in the creature. And, and they... Uh-huh. <laughs> They, they, got, cut, they cut it's on the last day, they say, on the last day. Yeah, they got him on this big boat, even though he's not really running the boat or anything. They just, like, have some people with a giant lure with the camera on it. And then <laughs> the they just... fish lure that yeah, comes yeah. back later. They reuse that in later episodes, I think. And basically, they put him on the boat to just say things about it, even though he's not running the show at all. <laughs> but he's like, local guy who loves the monster is here, and he's on the case. <laughs> they have a they interviewed that old lady who was like oh i saw two of them climb yeah, out near she, my window she said and there was white ones brown ones green ones she's very progressive about her <laughs> view of champ um yeah so uh, like they caught the classic video of people pointing to the water oh i love those dramatic reenactments and reenactments yeah. they have like the filter the blue filter on yeah. them. Whoa, what's that well Kids, you know the water yeah, or or the people looking at the the footage of the lure thing. There's, you know, the directors like oh, point, yeah. point to it and say something, and then they, they all, and so they can get the commercial breaks where they're like, "Well, yeah. what's that?" And it goes, Phew. "Yeah, yeah." And and then they said that they were out on the lake for an extended number of days. I thought that was an interesting way to phrase that. How? Why? 
Let's say several days or something. Was it three days? Or <laughs> I, why? Why lie about the amount of days, man? <laughs> I will. It happens. It, it, I think. You know what I think? Here's my theory. It, it, this might be slander. I think they go out there, they film the ten minutes for the film mm-hmm. for the show, and then go back in. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, my fan theory. It was cold. It was cold. Nobody wants to be out there. Um, I like the, I really like the biologist and skeptics that they brought on. I think they actually gave some yeah, they, really good arguments. They got someone from the Skeptical Inquirer. Another piece of technology I thought they had that was really like fantastic and great to see. And I thought of any technology is going to be able to capture a lake monster to be this. It was mm-hmm. the VHS player they showed. Well, there was a, I, I did not see yeah, a VHS it, it's player. It's in the first three or four minutes. They, they straight out have a VHS player. They're oh my God. Thing, and I was like. I think a VHS player could do it. You know, I believe in it. He he's been down and out, but he was good back in the day, and I think he's ready for a comeback story. There's a I, I liked uh, speaking of which, like the dated kind of stuff. I love the early CGI, especially for the oh. reenactments where it's like the, the plumpy flesh that looks like it's like filled up with air. Yeah, I was I, I was I saw their little plesiosaur model, and it was like that's awful. Like it's not aerodynamic at all, or or not aerodynamic, hydrodynamic. It's very lumpy, and yeah, you wouldn't expect that. <laughs> well, this is the thing that everybody says about cryptic, so it's kind of boring to mention. But like, there there had to. I mean, what's a, a healthy population is like two hundred fifty five, right? Yeah, so they, she brings it up in this episode where it's like at the very, at the very, very least, fifty individuals. Yeah, I mean, like there are species that can reproduce asexually and have large offspring, but they're normally not large predators. Right, right. That's the you thing know? is, um, people have used this for for uh, megalania. Like they take the idea that some um lizard some like uh, i think komodo dragons can do parthenogenesis which is where like you the females reproduce um by themselves or, or yeah, something along some, those lines some, some frogs can and it and it and they it so what they do is like that's the reason why there's not too many of them is the females are just reproducing by themselves but they, they take out the idea that this is a, a thing that they don't do all the time they do need some genetic variability and yeah, the people don't th- when people talk about cryptids, they typically don't talk about like uh, population sizes and the genetics that are required with it. Because because well, that's not fun. What's fun is that there's a monster in the lake and it has a name. Oh, I know, but like you know, when, the thing is, is like. when we when you have like endangered species, um, there's a point where like a species is functionally extinct, where there's yeah. just not enough of them because there's not enough genetic diversity. They're just going like, to get like like horribly. the white rhino. The white rhino. That's a yeah, well, like that's the thing why, like, um, like it, it can be with it, it. It can be with populations that have like dozens of people in it. They're still very there low. Are dozens of us <laughs> take us seriously. <laughs> we demand to be taken seriously. Oh, stop booing! There's nothing wrong with it. There are dozens of us. Dozens. Yeah, it's like we'll probably. I'm probably going to, I hope I don't bring it up constantly, but that's the problem with cryptids is in order for them to be not be seen all the time, there needs to be few of them. And the problem with there being few of them is that they don't have enough genetic diversity and it's not a stable population and stuff. All the cryptids are large charismatic megafauna. They're not like little finches or beetles because we do find new finches and beetles, even ones that we thought were extinct and haven't been seen for a couple hundred years. 
but right. we don't find new charismatic large megafauna. Right. That's exactly the case. That's why. Like, uh... I mean, you know, everyone wants to bring up the Celia can't, but mm-hmm. like, I hate that damn fish. I'm tired of hearing about it. Number one, I'm sick of hearing about the Celia camp. Nobody well. cares about the big ugly fish. But first of all, Western people forgot about it. The people who lived around it, they knew it was there. They just yeah. didn't care, right? right. And then a, a Western scientist saw it and was like, "Oh wow, cool." But nobody was looking for it. Like it was not a big deal. It's an awesome find and everything. It, we can learn stuff from it, but it's not right. the same as a gigantic bipedal ape monster or I, I guess a plesiosaur or some kind of brontosaur in the jungle. It's just not the same thing. Yeah. No, plesiosaur or not. Um, Selicanth is brought up literally every single cryptid discussion, um, yeah. especially with stuff that is prehistoric. And it neglects to mention that like we've since found fossils of Coelacanth after the dinosaurs that kind of bridges that gap. Um, yeah, the whole thing record. the whole thing about it being a living fossil is stupid. That's just yeah. how evolution works. Um, just because it's phenotype or you know, it doesn't change doesn't mean it hasn't had evolutionary differences. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm sick of, yeah, I'm, I am 100% with you. You were anti-Megalodon and anti Yeah, We don't, we, we like possible (laughs) reptiles in the water, maybe, but no coelacanths and no giant sharks. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, What's the, who's the guy who made the the Megalodon really fat? Oh yeah, where we like yeah the tubby sort of submarine looking. Megalodon. I like that. It's a good like jab back at them. Oh, you want you want to see megalodons being real? Well, they were stupid looking. So deal, <laughs> so deal with that. <laughs> yeah, Ch- Champ Champ is one of those things that it's so adorable. I think the idea is adorable that it makes me sad to to, oh, to kick would, to the curb like this i would love there to be lake monsters of all the creatures that could exist out in the world i think lake monsters are the ones i most want to be real yeah and every time I, I go out fishing by the lake by myself i i think about lake monsters you know i i love them <laughs> it's just they don't love me back <laughs> and that's the heartbreaking thing about it yeah uh, if I if there were a cryptid that I wanted to be real, it would be, it would have to be something dumb like that, uh, something dumb like Mothman or something. It's just giant humanoid Mothman. I can't start talking about Mothman. I don't have. <laughs> this podcast will go on forever. <laughs> uh, or one of the, like, or that big like. There's like a South American like uh, creature with like one eye and like a, a mouth where its chest is and stuff. So, um, goofy. <laughs> so how would you rate this episode for Monster Quest? Like one out of ten. It, I would rate it grade it on Monster Quest scale, not grading it against like Cosmos or Citizen Kane or something. Oh, okay, Just, okay. Against <laughs> Monster Quests, one episode's a ten. I don't know which one it is, and one's a one. Where do you think this is going to be on the scale? This this rates on a scale of maybe like this is a solid seven. I think this was a good start um, yeah. for a series and. It it did what it had to do. That <laughs> it was good. It was short. Um, it didn't. It wasn't too bloated. And I liked how it gave a two sides of the argument kind of thing. The plesiosaur looked a little bloated in the CGI. <laughs> uh, I I think I'd agree with you. I'd give it a seven. And the reason why is I think it was bold of them not to start with Bigfoot or Loch Ness monster. 
Yeah, you know? it's something obscure that not too many people have heard about. They started with a B-tier monster, and I respect that because I like the B-tier monsters. Right. Um, you know, they got a good photo, right? Obviously, mm -hmm. it's a log, but it's a really interesting-looking log. It's a beautiful log. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing log. It's probably top three or four all-time logs. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> If I was starting a website, www.bestlogs.com, it would be in the header profile. For sure. <laughs> so it's up there in, in greatest logs. Um, I don't know. The, the skeptical guy was there. gave a good take. Mm. They, they did their best on the PlayStation 2 graphics. <laughs> you know, I like that they found a shaggy, weird local guy to pretend to be the captain of this expedition. Yeah, I and, like how they found a grandma to talk about it. Also, the nice scientist lady who I thought was very reasonable and fair, trying, to, nice, yeah. trying to explain how ecology works to these people. <laughs> I like the shot of her just walking by the lake. <laughs> yeah, she gave her explanation on like the windy side of the lake. Like, yeah. oh, could we just do this in my office? Oh. They, did, they didn't say any racist things about Native American myths, so that was That's nice. That's right, they did. I, I was surprised. I, I, I'm very thankful for that. I was I was waiting for them to to whip out like back in before in in Native American times. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, um, I'm worried. I'm worried as time goes on, we're going to see less and less of those skeptics. Yeah. So you know, um, it re research in research of it was kind of like the first big weird paranormal kind of show back in the day with mm -hmm. Leonard Nimoy betraying his Spock persona. By sharing a bunch of nonsense and illogic. Oh, I, in search of I, my my dad showed me in search of and yeah, uh, yeah I got some it, choice words. It's very old, but it was very cool back in the day. Yeah. Um. So that show actually, if you watch it now, I think is more reasonable than you would imagine. Okay. You know, and Monster Quest I think is now more reasonable than people remember, just because of how bad it's gotten lately. Yes. Yes. So you have things like actual factual. Megalodon is real episodes or movies, I guess, events on okay, History yeah. Channel. You have mermaids are real stories on History Channel, right? So, like, things have gotten so bad that you watch Monster Quest and you're like, that wasn't too bad. Right. You go, you go into it and you're like, all right, compared to Mermaid Body Found, this wasn't at, this wasn't straight up lying to my face. <laughs> like yeah. the bar is so low yeah. nowadays. <laughs> I feel talked down to, but not lied to, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> That's kind of bad. It was no, it it was good. It was it was definitely being very balanced. I well, I very. I'm just saying it. we have an abusive relationship with History Channel. Yes, I yeah. I go. I had to rewatch. I had to watch a full episode of uh, ancient aliens and it was painful like this was fun that was painful it was hour and like 30 minutes yeah. or hour long how it felt like forever and it, it was so bloated and like oh my gosh you just stopped thinking at a certain point so if, um, uh, if, turn people, cars, if people like Georgia. this podcast they might want to check out um, youtube videos from knowing better and yes. then uh, is it alternative history, right? Was the other one? Yeah, alternate history hub. Uh, yeah, but... they did a they did a cool dive into ancient aliens. Um, I believe uh, alternate history watched every episode. He watched. Yeah, I was messaging him as he went along with it, and he yeah. watched every single episode. And 
he was that that was uh, he was a lot of pain i can tell yeah he probably needs some uh mental health and uplifting so i feel, I feel bad for the guy <laughs> well because like you're so you have a am i allowed to say uh bullshit on this yeah that's fine okay. We're, this is america okay okay he there's a certain level you have a bullshit meter when you're watching yeah. these kind of shows and early on it goes off constantly it's like a it's like that seismic uh earthquake machine it's your when you bullshit 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 and but but as time goes on you get worn down and the needle stops moving as yeah as much so you'll hear your he'll hear a claim and like you won't react as crazy to it. You're, you're well, numb to yeah, it. Eventually. Your brain does that because it hurts your brain to look at things that don't make sense. Like sometimes if you see an optical illusion, like you feel like discomfort or pain trying to figure out what's happening, right? It's the yeah. same thing with bad narratives. You're like, wait, how does this fit together? And so eventually you just have to kind of accept it to ease your brain. That's cognitive easing, man. That's an actual psychological thing. Like, and it's so bad that the first thing I thought of when you said that was a movie that I would not mention the name yeah, of. Yeah, please. Yeah. So we have a rule on this podcast. We're not going to talk about a certain film trilogy um, because I go on a lot of different podcasts myself and people often want me to talk about it. So uh, I wanted to start this podcast with my boy Trey here just so we could talk about other things. Yes. So yes. Not going to talk about that thing. You probably will know. What we talk about, it, it, what 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 we're dancing around, yeah, um, viewer. Um, I thought of so many clever ways to say what it was without saying it, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. Um, what, sh- what should I say? Uh, Photoshop gay people in the background, or uh, I'm cutting um, all this uh, out. <laughs> okay, we're cutting all this out. All this out. <laughs> so yeah, like. <laughs> let's say we were making a monster quest right history channel is like you know what we want some credibility so we're going to go hire a youtuber and a comic writer guy right that's how we get credibility with the kids yes i'm legitimately how you get the credibility (laughs) i'm a millennial i'm still pretty hip i think you're a zoomer right so we yeah yeah so we we got we got two demographics together here we got a coal we got a coalition we can make this happen you're the you're the Malcolm in the Middle demographic. I'm the Fortnite demographic. Well, I think we win this one, pal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> me taking me and my boys. Um, if you don't like it, too bad. Life's unfair. Life is unfair. So if, if they came to us, right? They're like, "Here's yeah. a couple million dollars. Here's a bunch of new camera equipment and a boat." Here's a shaggy local guy. <laughs> shaggy local guy. Yeah, yeah, and, and nice old lady with a story. And oh, we get wow. to we get to come up with a show. How would we do an episode about Champ? What would you want to do? Oh God! See, this is the thing is I've become so um, disillusioned with cryptids. Where like sure. I'm like, oh, there's nothing here. Well, oh. Let's say it's not Champ. If we just were doing a show okay. about cryptids, how what way would you want to talk about it? I guess we're doing it right now. I, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> I guess it would be um more like cultural based like we would talk about how the monster affects the local community and stuff yeah. like have people embrace the monster what they think about it do they actually believe it um it might be like more like ethnographic like anthropology yeah, that's what's interesting right like why do people still believe in champ right? right i guess we don't really have we're just talking about champ here specifically like i don't really have a any data like how many people actually believe in champ but I mean, like, I 
if you grew up around that area, I'm sure it must have some cultural meaning to you. Yeah. You know, because there's like something, I'm not going to use the word spiritual, but there's something like a little extra about the lake because there's a story about a monster in it. And that just it just gives you a cultural touchstone. It gives you some kind of extra value to your home where you grew up in. And I yeah. think it's hard it's hard to say no to that. I I know people aren't probably saying like a enthusiastic yes, I think there's a monster in there, but they're just not wanting to say no, there's not a monster. And I think that that's talking about that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I think like the idea of like how people like cuz I know like the local baseball team has it as like their mascot and stuff where I don't know. People, people, people like to have something oh, special about their town. I um, wish I played for that team. I played for the Thunderbirds, which I the guess Thunderbirds. Is a, I guess is a cryptid. But, yeah, there's uh, a there's a yeah. lost tapes episode with the Thunderbirds. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a story about the kid who gets lifted up by the bird, right, and carried off. Yeah, yeah. I think that shows up in a later Monster Quest episode. That, that story yeah. might have happened. Yeah, I can like, see that. There's enough reports in that one where I'll give that a maybe. I guess. <laughs> Um, I know that, like, see, I went to West Virginia uh, during the pandemic. That We had the trip planned out. I know that probably wasn't the smartest thing. We wore masks and all that. Anyways, um, I talked to people in, like, Flatwoods and in um, Point Pleasant. And this one, like, chain smoker guy, like, he saw me taking a picture of the Mothman statue in the center Mm -hmm. of town. And he just, like, he stopped his car. And he was like, he, he was like an elder, he was kind of old, he was probably like 60 or 70 something, and he like, he was like, hey, you, hey, hey, he just rolled down his window, he's like, come here, come here, and I was like, oh, hello, and I was like kind of scared, um, and he was like, he's like, what do you, uh, you want to know my, my two cents about that statue, and as he was talking to me, he like lit up a cig, he was Hell like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, he's like, you know what, say what you will about him, he put us on the map. That's all I can say. He put, <laughs> he, put, he put us on the map. That's what I'm saying, though, right? Like, like it gives you a bit of cultural identity. Yeah, yeah. And that guy was nice. He told he was like, he's like, you like pot, you like a, you like, you like a, what do you say? You like pottery? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, <laughs> there's a, there's a built, there's a store over there owned by my old friend Jeb. He sells pottery. And I was like, oh, okay. It was very odd. <laughs> I was hoping he'd be like, hey, kids, you like Mothman? You're like, oh, yeah, sir. And you walk up to him and he just has a coat with a bunch of Mothman photos and paraphernalia. Awesome. I'd buy like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Definitely you would. A keychain with a little Mothman? That's the way he does. Every day he gets up, puts on his coat. Where do, you, where do people get these trench coats? You just like Google trench coat for selling stuff on the street? Do they have a name? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like vendor, merchant trench coat i should get me one of these trench coats you know like neo a lot of people are trying to get into making money through weird stock memes or crypto nonsense i'm gonna go old school i'm gonna get into the trench coat selling stuff yeah sell sell your your comics in the the trench coat hey kids you want to learn about science (laughs) you want to want want some dune Oh wait! Oh crap! Oh shit! I can't sell. I can't sell the new book. I will get sued. Ryan Herbert, if you're listening to this, I'm not selling Dune books out of trench coats on the street to children. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been accused too much. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you guys like this podcast, uh, it's yeah. our first one we did together. So hopefully, it went pretty good. Yeah. I think it did. 
Um, yeah, we'll probably do some more of these. Uh, I think we're going to try to do two a month just because we both have other projects we're working on. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm not the best audio editor, so it'll take me a while to get it figured out. Um, but you can follow me at, at Goldrush Comic on Twitter, or you can go to my website afterthegoldrush.space to buy my books and check my stuff out. And I'm sure they could uh, check out Trey's stuff on Twitter and YouTube too. You want to give them your links? Yeah, yeah. I'm a Trey the Explainer on on uh, on YouTube. You can just type it in. I think my actual real URL is kind of a it's cringy because it's like old. It's like yeah. gamer creator. Oh, <laughs> it's something really bad. Uh, something lame. So yeah, just look up my name on YouTube. It's Trey the Explainer, and then my Twitter handle is uh, Trey at Trey underscore Explainer. Uh, so yeah, just check me out there. Uh, See, yeah. my my generation, we uh, had all of our bad handles back on a different internet that exists now, on oh. old like uh, forums and V bulletins and ICQ chat rooms, and so like those names are gone, thankfully. So when we were twelve <laughs> and had to make our online presence, you know, we had stupid names. We got a second chance to make our new ones. Oh uh, no! See, I yeah. didn't get. The, see, my channel is probably like how old is my channel? Like almost like ten years old or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got it when I was like making. Oh, this is some some inside details. I made like Minecraft videos or something. Of course like you that. did. You didn't have to tell me. <laughs> they're gone. Did. They're yeah. gone. I I don't think anybody can find them. I think they're they're. they're... Oh, I'm gonna find them. <laughs> no, no, they're on a flash drive somewhere in my. I'm gonna my house. I'm gonna post the truth about Trey the Explainer video. <laughs> hashtag hashtag. Uh, what's it called? I don't know. <laughs> really revealed. Yeah. Yeah. Trey's a Minecraft nerd. He's been hiding it from all of you. Into that Minecraft simp uh, yeah. <laughs> early on, I was I was on that. I'm gonna join the, those people. Yeah. So yeah, that's why my if if anybody notices my YouTube URL, it's and it's like gamer creator one two three. It's like that's the reason. That's super elite, man. <laughs> Uh, well, so I hope everybody liked the show. Yeah, um, the lo the logo was created by Isaac Larosa, who does the After the Gold Rush comic with me, and the intro song is by Built to Spill, used with permission from the And that's that for the show. Yeah, goodbye. So long, folks. Thanks for joining. Watch next time. Yeah, listen. Listen, next. I'm so used to you too. Uh. <laughs>